0: are back at it welcome back to another edition of pistols firing podcast on the road edition i'm still in oklahoma city kyle porter has exited the shed he is in aaron hills for the u.s open kyle what's it like up in uh, wisconsin
1: uh it is awesome uh drove up on monday and tuesday with the family and uh yeah we, we have a house about 15 minutes from here the course is a slog um it's, it's, you know, typically U.S. Open. It's, it's uh, just kind of, a, kind of a beat down a little bit, although we've gotten some low scores in the first round so far. Um, but it's 8,000 yards. I mean, it's just – like I feel like I'm getting my workout in every day, just walking nine holes. So I can't imagine what the guys that are playing feel like. But, yeah, it's been fun. Ricky Fowler leading after, after his uh, the morning wave goes through. So that's, uh, that's exciting for Oklahoma State fans. Yeah,
0: we got to start there, Kyle. Were you able to follow him at all? What was your impressions uh, being there, watching Ricky, you know, light up the scoreboard?
1: Uh, I was not following him. I was following the Jordan Spieth-Dustin Johnson group, uh, mostly because I picked DJ, and I thought Spieth was going to play great. They both finished over par, I think. Um, I mean, he was just lights out, though. You know, he, he, I, I mentioned this, I think, last week. He's the only guy in the PGA Tour in the top ten in strokes game cutting and uh, with his driver. And he hit 12 of 14 fairways and 15 of 18 greens in regulation today. That's a, that's a joke. And, you know, he we just got done. He, he did his little media deal. We just got done interviewing him. And he said, you know, this is great. It was fun. Like, I played well. But, you know, there's a long way to go. And I want to be remembered more for what I do on Sunday than what I do on Thursday. So, I don't know. I feel like that tells me a lot about where his mental game is at. You know, his last seven rounds coming into this round, he was, uh, plus 27 at the u.s open in the last seven rounds he's been 700 today. so quite a turnaround for him at this tournament uh, in round one
0: it's bizarre though kyle to me like he used to not be a very good putter and now he is as you said gaining the most strokes putting what has gotten into him with the uh the flat stick has he changed his grip at all is he just doing what he's always done and just getting hot with it
1: yeah, you know, it's a good question. You know, last year that was that was the big issue. He was just really struggling with his putter. He's kind of been up and down with it over the course of his career. I don't know if he's changed anything, but he he does seem to have smoothed out the stroke. If you watch him when he putts, he'll lift his putter like a like a eighth of an inch off the ground right before he strikes it, and it's it, it's one of the prettier strokes I think in on the PGA Tour. It, it, it uh, I don't know. I love watching him you know, just pour five- and six-footers in with with the way he hits it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was like that. He shot a 65, could have been a 63 with the way he was leaving himself, you know, kicking pars that, you know, birdies lipping out, and uh, it's pretty impressive.
0: Well, I believe he tied a record, right? He's, what, seven under, bogey-free round. It's one of the lowest rounds ever in a, in a U.S. Open. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it was the lowest first-round score to par, so – Nicholas Nicholas and Tom Weisskopf in 1980 were both seven under. They shot 63, though, because the the par of the course was uh, was 70. So it's 72 this week. So 65, obviously, is seven under. Uh, but Nicholas went on to win that week at, at Baltusrol at eight under. So and Ricky said after, you know, he said in the, the interview um, he doesn't think he needs a lot more to win it. You know, if he, if he if he gets to 10 or 11, or maybe even eight or nine, I mean that's that could be it. You know, it could be a ball game. So, he'll have some chasers. Though. I mean, uh, your boy, uh, Patty Reed, played pretty well today. Brooks kept is up there. Um, Brooks not is, my, be, Brooks is my
0: boy, not, not Patty Reed. Brooks is my boy.
1: <laughs> I, I know. I'm tweaking you. I, uh, love, I love Brooks I don't so good, much. I don't, I don't think it'll be like uh, a Martin Keimer 2014 situation where he wins by eight and it's not even really that exciting.
0: Well, what's more likely? I'll ask you this. What's more likely, that Ricky runs away with it or that he blows up and misses the cut?
1: Uh, that he runs away with it. He's not gonna be, I don't, he's well, not gonna maybe
0: maybe not miss the cut, but the fact maybe he squanders it and doesn't finish in the top 10. What's more likely, that yeah, he yeah, run, yeah. That, runs away that, with it yeah, or a non-top 10?
1: That's a good question. Um, man, that's tough because he's not played very well at this tournament in, in the past or at least in the last two years. Um, I think it's still probably more likely that he runs away with it. I mean, he just looks like he, he's just – he just looked, it looks so easy. I mean, I, we say this with all these guys when they shoot a 65 or 64 or whatever in a big-time tournament. But, I mean, it just looked like he wasn't even trying out there and he, he drops a 65. So, I guess I'll say runs away with it. I, I think – I do think he's helped out. They got really good conditions in the morning. It wasn't windy at all. Um, it rained last night, so it was a little bit slower. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I, I would say runs away with it. Did you get to see his round at all? What did you think about it?
0: Yeah, I got to watch a, a lot of it. I get to watch the whole thing. The thing that stuck out to me most was, uh, and they they noted this on the broadcast, that Ricky's probably the best wedge player on tour right now. I mean, he was just dropping just dimes to where he, he had, yeah. he had, he had two-foot birdie putts most of the day. So that, to me, stuck out. Obviously, he, I thought his club selection was interesting. You know, he, he didn't hit driver all the time. He, he would take an iron off the tee, which I think is just beyond smart to do on this course. With the, the, the wide fairways, it's just, it's just so much more important in the U.S. Open to hit, hit the fairway than it is to hit it 350 yards, even if it is a long course like this that's nearly 8,000 yards. So I thought he played a smart round with his club selection off the tee. And just his his wedge game was just off the charts. That's what stuck out to me.
1: Yeah, I mean to your point, like it, it, basically, if you hit it, if you miss a fairway here, it, it's basically like hitting it in the water because you you can't get it. I mean, you can't get it out of the rough. It's not even. It shouldn't even be called rough. Brad dalkey, the OU golfer, posted a video. But the The Fescue was like up to his his stomach. Like it was like hitting his belly button. <laughs> I mean, he's not like a tall guy, but it was. It's just. You can't hit out of it. I followed DJ this morning, and he was just all over the place. And even, I mean, DJ is probably one of the stronger guys on tour, and he was just, you know, he was just so pissed. Like the whole, he was just snarling at the rough, and it just, it just makes you angry. And so, you know, for Ricky to hit 12 or 14 fairways is, uh, like you said, it's, it's paramount. Even if you're not 340 or, or 320 yards down the fairway.
0: I got a great tweet. I want to read it to you. Uh, you may have seen it on Twitter that I retweeted it. <laughs> he said, "This is from uh, Slow Drip Cafe." He says, "I did see this." Someone told Ricky Aaron Hills was a supermodel. He's crushing. I thought that was pretty fantastic.
1: I mean, Ricky only wins big tournaments when he's dating models, so <laughs> got the. He he left the uh, the press conference today with his. You know, arm in arm with his new, his new lady friend, and uh, good for him. You know, somebody I saw somebody tweeted like that. Ricky, we're going to get a lot of like it's it's good to be Ricky tweets because of the <laughs> the U.S. Open lead, because of the, the model girlfriend, and, and the guy said, you know, it's it's been it's been quite a while since it hasn't been good to be Ricky Fowler, and I thought that was I thought that was pretty true. He's uh, he's had a pretty fun, good career. He's made a ton of money. And uh, all it, all it lacks really is is a major, and it could come this week.
0: Oh, I didn't realize he's dating the the famous pole vaulter girl. Yeah, she's like internet famous just for being very attractive and doing the pole vault. Yeah, she uh, She's
1: she's here. She's on the ground. It's
0: no. It's so it's no longer the girl that he kissed on the 18 when he won the players. It's a different one. I'm assuming.
1: No, I think I think he might have upgraded.
0: Are you required uh, to cover this from, stuff? Like who they're dating? No. Do you cover that?
1: No, I mean, unless it's like Tiger or I don't know, like, unless they get married. But now, he, you know, I've heard good things about this girl in terms of her. The other girl was kind of, I don't know, there's some questions, but I think this one's a little little classier.
0: Well, before we wrap it up, talking about Ricky and moving on to Mike Gundy, just the one concern I would have with Ricky is, and this is what he's done uh, several times, I think he might have done this at the Masters where. He's in position, and then on the weekend, he just has like a two or three hole stretch where he just makes double or triple. He just, he seems real streaky that way. So that would be my one concern with him winning at all. But I do, yeah. I, is, is that a concern for you as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and I agree with you. I think the difference is, you know, he contended at the Masters. And to your point, it was really just because he hit good wedges and it out of his mind. He didn't hit it well. And the difference is he now he's hitting it well. You know he he hit it really good at Memorial a couple weeks ago when he finished second. I look back, he hit eighty percent of his fairways at Memorial, which is a just an absurd number. Like if you hit over, I don't know, if you're hitting it as long as Ricky and you hit over sixty, that's pretty good. To hit eighty is a joke, and he had eighty three percent or eighty six percent today at twelve of fourteen. So uh, if he keeps doing that, he is going to run away with it. Uh, So yeah, to me, it's it's. It's a concern, but it's not as much of a concern as it was at the Masters just because I, I feel like he has more confidence with his driver and with his irons right now.
0: Yeah, I agree. La- last thing, I was at a golf shop today looking looking for a new bag, and uh, I overheard one of the guys that works there, and I thought he made a great point. I was just eavesdropping a little bit. Some guy was like, is Ricky in the lead? And he's like, yeah, and... The guy was like he he gave him that tired narrative of that Ricky's like the best to not win a major, which just drives me crazy. Like as if the, as if it's like easy to win it, you know. And the guy the, yeah. the guy the guy that worked there said he just kind of like scoffed at him and said like it's it's just a matter of time. Like you talk to you hear Phil Mickelson and he says he's like by far the best player on the practice rounds. Like it's just like it's gonna happen. Like the guy just like didn't even like give it a second thought that Ricky was gonna win a major. Like that's how how good he really is and just how how tired those narratives can be when it comes to golf.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people think that Ricky was actually asked that today after his round. And he said, you know, that, I find that a, to be a compliment because there's so many good guys out here that haven't won a major. I mean, come on. Like Jason Bay has one. Dustin Johnson has one. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's really, really, really hard to win a major championship. And, um, but yeah, it, it, it is a matter of time for him. I think it'll be one of the Opens, whether it's U.S. or British, I don't know. But uh, I'm wondering how you're going to feel after, uh, after Rory clips him this afternoon with a 64.
0: Yeah, I just saw a shot of Rory on the uh, the tee box. He's got a good solid 81 in him, 82 maybe today, and he's just going to keep <laughs> making you look bad. Did you pick him to win this again?
1: No, I had an even worse pick this week. I had DJ.
0: Yeah, I didn't want to pick DJ in my pool, but I did just because I was terrified he would shoot sixty-one every round. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm Rory. Rory is no threat. I'm on record. Uh, Thursday at at two p.m. Rory is no threat to win the U.S. Open. So that's how confident I, I am. He's not can- going to contend.
1: I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to win this week either. Uh,
0: he'll he'll backdoor, he'll backdoor top 10. That'll get you all fired up. And will add to the, the little resume that you post when you post your top golfers for the week. You're like, he's been top 10 three of the past four U.S. Opens. He's played awesome. No, nah, he just kind of backdoors his way in when the pressure's off. <laughs> uh,
1: let's, get, let's, let's talk about this real quick. Let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, the one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. I want a full fledged Ricky Fowler scripting breakdown for Thursday. He was in blue, bright blue pants, and a wow. Uh, oh, sorry, I just dropped my tongue. He was in uh, bright blue <laughs> pants, a, uh, a striped, just a hideous striped puma shirt. Uh, I want, I want your full full breakdown on the Fowler unit.
0: I think you're gonna be disappointed in me. Like I didn't even like bat an eye. I didn't even give it a second thought. It looked like when I think of what Ricky Fowler would be wearing at a golf tournament, like that's what I envision. Besides obviously yeah, the Sunday kind of, orange. He's,
1: he's kinda of normalized terrible clothing. <laughs> uh,
0: I didn't think it was so you're that just bad.
1: You get just used to it now? Yeah,
0: like it's just you know, if you see something all the time it just doesn't really register. Um, nah, I, it, I still it, it he, he at least bad. had a collar. It's better than that European polo stuff Nike's putting out there.
1: Yes, yes, it is most of the time. I mean, I just,
0: just Rory looks away, like he's going away. to Sunday school.
1: <laughs> do away with the weird stripes on the on the Puma shirts. Like, just give me like I love the pants. The pants are great. Just the the striping is just I don't know. It's not doing him any favors.
0: Yeah, like, he made a splash initially with, like, the just insane, like, I'm looking at it right now, the the striping wasn't too ludicrous. It looks pretty, it looks pretty pretty generic, actually, I mean.
1: I I think Fowler, I think Fowler's one of the best dressed guys on tour, I don't mind the hat, like, if you want to wear a crazy hat, whatever, like, he's, his hats are good, Um, but one of the best dressed guys on tour, when he doesn't, when he wears, like, Plain colored clothing, like when it's just like a a solid top and solid bottom. Like I think he I think he works the colors well. His belts are good. His shoes are good. Just just the stripes on the shirt. You
0: well, know? you're gonna like tomorrow. I'm looking at Friday's scripting. It's just a white hat with a navy bill, navy shirt, white pants, white shoes. It's very very plain. Yeah. He's yeah, he's man. trying to. I, like I think he's it. trying to simplify things. Now Saturday is an atrocity. Like you're not gonna like Saturday's shirt. <laughs>
1: Is it that gray and orange hat again?
0: No, it's gray and white hat. But like the polo is like, I can't even begin to describe it. It's like four giant horizontal <laughs> stripes with like diagonal lines going through them. It's it's not good. And then Sunday, Sunday he's just wearing a white and orange hat, plain white shirt, orange pants, and white shoes. So he's he's really good. He's really toned down the Sunday look as well.
1: Oh my gosh, I just saw the Saturday. That is not good.
0: Yeah. That's Oh my That God. might be when he makes what triple we... three straight holes.
1: That looks like an optical illusion.
0: Yeah, it's it looks like a shirt from like <laughs> nineteen eighty three that Puma discontinued.
1: Another Bugle Boy special?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a Bugle Boy alright. That's not it's not good at all. But that that looks like a couple uh... triples to me.
1: Okay, we got, uh, we got a couple other things we got to talk about. I, I want to get to, um, since we're about to start, Mike Gundy, I want to get to this week's uh, Toast of the Week. It's time for the Coop Ale Works Toast of the Week. Coop Ale Works, brewing great-tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the Refreshing Hony Toad Blonde. For your next watch, party tailgate or get together with friends. Enjoy a cold Coop Ale Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. Uh, I'm going to toast, Carson, I'm going to toast a Vader. To Mike Gundy for uh, basically receiving a lifetime contract from Oklahoma State. He's locked up for as long as he's successful in Stillwater and uh, he's done it. He's he's secured what could be up to a $50 million contract over the next decade. So a toast to Gundy who uh, will never have to worry about how much he's spending on Coupel Works again.
0: I'm going to crack open another Vader, grab yours, and slam them together like Stone Cold Steve Austin and, and pour them on Mike Gundy's mullet for him. So that's my toast as well. I'm toasting Mike Gundy. I called it, I tweeted it, it was the summer of Gundy. He, he made the mullet great again. He successfully hunted poisonous snakes. He outlasted he, he outlasted Bob Stoops. He outlasted Mike Holder, and he just got paid. So what a, what a summer for Mike Gundy. My goodness. I mean... Kudos to him for not take, taking his ball and going home whenever him and Holder were at odds and going to Tennessee or whatever. He stuck it out. Now he's being rewarded. And I am curious, Kyle. So I want to crack, crack your Vader with mine and, and and just pour it all over that mullet. That's, that's my toast as well.
1: That, that's the Stone's called Steve Austin. I thought that was the Kevin Durant.
0: No, nah, he forgot to open his. He was the kid that didn't party in high school and got to a college party and didn't have any idea what he was doing.
1: Yeah, that, was, that might have been me as well. Um, <laughs> was just, what, what was your reaction when you first saw the news that Mike Gundy was locked up to a five-year deal uh, and, and beyond, basically, uh, starting at, at 4.2 a year?
0: Well, my first thought was, that's Chad Weiberg's music. Like, Chad Weiberg came in with, <laughs> with the olive branch and really got this done. They hammered it out fairly quickly after he arrived in Stillwater I mean I don't think that's a coincidence I don't think it's a coincidence that Mike Holder we're hearing will will be gone in a, a couple months if not you know by the end of the summer uh, so that was my first instinct and then also the you mentioned the, the lifetime contract aspect of this is bizarre as far as when will it end? Is it just when Mike Gundy says it ends? Is it when he doesn't meet a certain criteria? That will be fascinating when we learn those details.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the language in the contract is coming out. I believe Kyle Fredrickson reported it's coming out at the beginning of next week. Uh, what What is the language? What does it look like? You know, is it is it uh, he doesn't make a bowl game, Oklahoma State doesn't have to renew it? I've talked to people who. Who, who believe that it will be easy for Oklahoma State to get out of the contract if they want to, but that's certainly not how it reads up front uh, in terms of it looks like a lifetime contract. It renews annually until until the university says it doesn't is what Mark Cooper reported. So I don't know. I've got a lot of questions, and, and I, I'm interested to kind of parse through the language uh, of that contract, but – if Gunby gave unilateral control to Oklahoma State to, to kind of terminate his contract whenever they want, it suddenly becomes not that great of a deal for him because when you combine that with the fact that his raises Carson are not that they're not that much. Over the, if you look at it like over the next six or seven or eight years, $125,000 a year is not that much money uh, when you look at what college football coaches will probably be paid in say 2021.
0: Yeah, and I I agree with you that it can be, you know, inflation will it'll look like a cheap salary at some point, but I also think they can tear this contract in half and sign a new one, like, very easily. Yeah,
1: but it, but it, did, but it doesn't seem like the type of contract that will be torn in half, does it?
0: Well, you can always renegotiate the salary, right? Like, whenever uh, Bob Stoops won a national championship, he went from, like... Seven hundred thousand to one and a half million in one year. They just totally just said, "Okay, <laughs> you won. We're paying you all the money." You know. So I think, right? Were right. he were he to have you know even more success than he's already had, I think it would. They could very easily raise it if if need be, or if he's not happy. I more than anything, Kyle. I just think the contract is ending any and all speculation. One for recruiting purposes. One and two just okay, you're our coach, you want to be here, uh, we want you here, and just both sides can just agree, like, look, this is we want you here as long as you want to be here. And I think that's, you mentioned in the, the Slack chat that this makes the Travis Ford contract seem short, and it does, <laughs> but the track records of the two coaches could not be more different. So I think it's a good deal for both sides, and, and if it reaches the point that you, you mentioned where he's underpaid, I think they could always just re, renegotiate
1: yeah, I agree. I, I just think it, it I, I personally I think it speaks to what we talked about last week. That the end is uh is 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 not over the is not beyond the horizon for the I think it's it's uh it's somewhat close. I don't know how long that'll be. I don't know if it'll be four years or six years or nine years or whatever, but I, I think this is the type of contract that you sign. Maybe you get it renewed twice and you play it out for seven years and then that's you know, that's the end of it and, and uh you ride the tractor down highway fifty one and and uh <laughs> maybe 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 your hair is down to your to your knees by then. Uh, who knows? So um it, it feels and looks to me like a final contract of your career and like you said, it, it there's no more questions now. He's not going to so I don't think he ever was really especially if he wasn't going to Baylor. Um but yeah, this is this is going to be how he goes out eventually, and and that's a great thing for Oklahoma State fans, and I think for the university.
0: Yeah, and it's it's silly it, it reached that point, but it's good to have it behind them. And man, if you just look at it, like we mentioned, Bob Stoops retiring, like we all think Lincoln Riley's a good coach, but you and I talked about it last podcast. Like, there's no way he can be as good as Bob Stoops. So the window for the next five six years for Mike Gundy is is open. Now we have to wait and see how good Tom Herman will be at Texas. Obviously, but. Other than you know, Mike Gundy's the most established, winningest coach in the Big Twelve now. Alongside, I guess, I guess you could put Gary Patterson in that conversation. But, but TCU hasn't hasn't won at the level OSU has for as long a period of time. So, I mean, the window's open, Kyle. Like, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, man, you got to be looking at Mike Gundy signed up. The 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 path to winning Big Twelve titles is there.
1: Yeah, yeah, it certainly is, and uh, you know, I, I wrote that that if Lincoln Riley's 10% worse than Bob suits the, the, the front door is wide open for Mike Gundy and his hair to strut on through. So, um, it's going to be interesting. It, it really has been the summer of Gundy. I mean, look at, look at where we were at a year ago of, you know, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of unknown going into 2016, um, going into 2016 season, uh, a little bit of, you know, Bob Stoops, well, a lot of Bob Stoops is the best coach in the Big 12. And, and now, a year later, it's like, hey, guess who might be the best, best coach in the Big 12? It might be Mike Gundy. And they're probably going to, you know, they're going to be the favorite to win it in 2017. It's just it's crazy how much things change in, in 12 months.
0: <laughs> yeah, especially since Bedlam, you know. Junior, yeah. no, take a knee, don't score, <laughs> Junior. <laughs> so we've come a long way since that moment. <laughs> Uh, Rory, Rory McElroy and Jason Day are playing together So we have a pink and green Euro Swedish polo match going on And Rory hit his first drive Into the knee high fescue So Rory's off to the start I expected Just so you know
1: uh, Let's hear one more time from our sponsor Christmas University <laughs> Spirit <laughs> All right, listeners, have you heard the scoop about Coop? Oklahoma's signature craft brewer, Coop Aleworks, is now available at retailers in Arkansas, Kansas, Nebraska, and North Texas. And cowboy fans in Kansas City, Missouri, can grab a pack of Coop starting Labor Day weekend. Enjoy a fresh F5 IPA, my personal favorite, a native amber, elevator wheat, or horny-toed blonde when you ask for Coop by name at your favorite store or bar. No matter where you roam, Coop pairs well with the Pokes. Okay Carson uh, Um What do we need What do we need to touch on To wrap up
0: oh, I think we've We've hit everything Um You know you're, when, when do you get back From Aaron Hills
1: Um I'm not sure Good question We are uh, Going to Chicago With the family On Monday Tuesday uh, So we're gonna sample Some of the The pizza they have to offer Go see Lake Michigan Maybe go down to the Navy Pier Excited about that Um and then I'm going to Houston to see the fam. So, I think we we'll get back to to uh, to Dallas in about ten days. Nice. Yeah, so kind of a two week vacay, well, working vacation with the with the kids with the fans. So I'm bringing my kids out tomorrow. They're big Jordan Spieth fans.
0: Okay, they like Spieth. They don't like Ricky.
1: Yeah. They, I'm tr- I'm trying to feed them Ricky and Rory, but they just keep going back to Spieth.
0: Well. Kids like winners. Like they're all, they're all Steph Curry fans now, Warriors fans. So if Ricky wins, they might become Ricky fans.
1: <laughs> I bet you're going to make a Rory joke there.
0: Right? Oh, no. I mean, he's, no, one, no one wants to support a Northern Irishman, you know. You got to go American. Uh,
1: you're the worst. You are <laughs> the worst. Um, Someone's got to yeah, talk you
0: down I mean, off that Rory ledge, you know. Your no-laying-up yeah. buddies won't do it, so I got to. Well, hey, it's, uh, good luck in the car. Uh, I, I recommend Gino's East Pizza in Chicago. That was my favorite. Everyone loves Giordano's okay. as well. So Gino's East, okay. Giordano's. Lou, Lou Malnati's is also a good one. So those three can't yeah, go I've wrong. i
1: heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's sweet. I'm excited. I uh, appreciate you accommodating my, uh, my setup here, and I uh, hope everybody enjoys the U.S. Open the, rest of the
0: week. Yeah, enjoy the tournament, and uh, hopefully Ricky Fowler can, can bring it on home. We'll, we'll talk to you when you uh, emerge from the car on the road trip.
1: <laughs> okay, talk to you later, car.